Welcome to Sports and Stogies. Now, introducing your hosts, Cameron Winklewitz and Austin Hayes. Welcome back. You know what time it is. Pull up a chair, pour up a drink, and light that cigar. Sports and Stogies, episode six, coming at you. Cam. Before we get into anything like your normal broadcast, I'm pissed. Why is that? Because Joe Woods blows ball sacks. Probably for a living. That man, we, okay. How do you take a top, arguably top five rush defense and get ran for over 250 yards against Austin Eckler, who... And Josh Kelly. That might be Austin Eckler's best career game ever. He's a red zone guy. He doesn't get the ball up the field. I, it's just mind-blowing how you have had that right for the last three years, and now you magically just forget. Like, a Madden player could be a better defensive coordinator than Joe Woods. Now, thankfully, Cam has had a cigar and a little bit of whiskey. He settled down some. Pre-show, he punched a hole in the studio wall. He's throwing out tons of curse words. But it really pales in comparison to how he was acting at the game Sunday, which we attended. So I digress. Uh, that was your first time in Cleveland for a Browns game. And what did you think of the atmosphere there? Oh, dope, man. Great, great experience. Um, pretty much a packed house. A couple Chargers fans. But gorgeous day for it. Nice 1 o'clock kickoff. Um, yeah, it was a great time. Only my second NFL game period, and um, between Cincy and Cleveland, gotta say Cleveland takes the uh, the edge for better overall crowd experience. Yeah, and uh, we didn't get the chance to walk through Muni lot because we were stuck in traffic for a while. Rolled up to the stadium a little later, just in time for Nick Chubb's touchdown, though. Um, yeah, I'm really glad you liked it. We'll definitely be going to more. Yeah, maybe just try to avoid like a future December 20th kind of game because uh, I had a sweatshirt on and that was plenty comfortable enough. I don't want to have to get down to uh, you know, 15, 20 degree temperatures right there off the lake. Yeah, I definitely prefer the uh, September, October, maybe November games. But uh, unless it's a playoff game, I probably won't be there after November. Now, as far as what actually happened on the field, um, give me your highs and lows. Offense looked great up until the last drive where, obviously, Cade York missed a game winner. Um, they had multiple opportunities to just get five, ten more yards. Um, that didn't happen. 55-yard field goals are tough, especially for a rookie. He also missed a 40-yard early on in the game. Um, that needs addressed. I don't know what we're going to do about that. Oddly enough, our kicker from last year, Chase McLaughlin, one uh, special teams player of the week. So that's kind of a punch in the mouth. Maybe it's just about being in Cleveland. Maybe you just miss field goals. Oh, that weird win coming off the lake. Maybe it's tough to account for. Maybe. Um, yeah, high is definitely offense. Chubb looks great. Yeah, you guys took a, we took a 14 nothing lead. Yeah, Brissett. Brissett looks good. By I mean, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's making mistakes, but... You can't not expect that from Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he's been a backup his entire career. He's going to make mistakes. It's a given. Um, defense, P 
pass defense looked good against Herbert. That's impressive to do. And with our full defensive front, we were just getting slaughtered up the middle. And I don't know how. Not to mention absolutely no pass rush for either team. Um, I think you guys had one sack on Herbie. They had none on Brissett. Um, only the one turnover by Brissett, which unfortunately was the worst time to have one. Um, but yeah, offensive shootout. Both teams look great moving the ball. Um, and I think when it comes down to it, it's really coaching that could have lost the game for either side. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I don't... Even the Chargers coach, I don't know what he was thinking, calling a f- go for it on fourth instead of just punting it. And then not to just go for it, but to call a passing play instead of handing the ball to Austin Eckler on fourth and one when you guys have, when they've torched the, the Browns front seven all day. Yeah. Uh, weird coaching game, but very fun to be at, that's for sure. Yeah, really weird, though. Like, the Browns got the ball back there. They had to move 10 yards, kick a field goal. Crowd's going crazy, places electric, and then the kick goes up, no good, and you could hear a pin drop. Until the vicious chance of fire Joe Woods, F Joe Woods, F Stefanski, um, they uh, they got a little riled up. Uh, yeah, that's bound to happen. Some of which, I mean, most of which came from you. Uh, I'd say I did my fair share. And I'm glad to see our voices have both recovered from Sunday. I thought they'd be a little more uh, gravelly than this. Yeah, I'm, mine was rough. See, overall, it's a great uh, great trip uh, for our first game of the year. And first, first official sports and stogies uh, mutual trip. Uh, but back into the regular swing of things, Cam, what are you smoking on today? I got a, a uh, Alec Bradley Blind Faith. It's a uh, Robusto. It's got a Honduran wrapper with Nicaraguan filler as well as Honduran and Nicaraguan binder. Uh, very solid so far. Good smoke production. Uh, tight roll. Not getting any phrase on the wrapper or anything. Solid ash. Um, getting a touch of white pepper in the back of the throat as well as some dark coffee and macadamia notes. Uh, so far, really enjoying it. Uh, what do you got? I've got the Oya de Nicaragua numero uno. Um, it's a uh, Ecuadorian wrapper with a Nicaraguan filler and bind, naturally. Um, a little smaller ring gauge. It's only like a, maybe a 50, 52. Um, so far, some solid vanilla notes. Maybe a little bit of almond. A little bit of cinnamon. It really a good fall time smoke. It really uh, fitting the vibe right now. Sounds like it. Uh, let's talk about what you're sipping on. I think we'll cover that later. I got a new purchase today, a couple of them. It's the uh, Metallica Blackened Whiskey, which we'll go more in depth on probably after our first break. But let's get straight to the NFL news of the week. Actually, I'm a little ahead of myself. We got a couple fan questions. That we do. Lead the way. The first question came in is, what would your walkout... Who's this question from? It's from Doug, from uh, Dickin' with Doug. The burnout himself. Okay. A little shout out there when necessary. Uh, what would our walkout songs be if we were walking out of the tunnel for a UFC event and if we're walking up to an at-bat in the MLB? That's a phenomenal question. I love kind of you know off-the-wall kind of questions like that. And I put a lot more thought into this than I probably should have. Um, UFC-wise, I want something with a kind of a slower, softer build-up. As I'm walking out. 
And by the time I get out to the octagon, it just it just cranks up. So I'm going Lamb of God, a song called Vigil. Um, and it's got exactly what I want. Nice, you know, guitar melodic intro, and all hell breaks loose. You get hard and heavy real quick. Striking fear into the heart of my opponent before he probably kicks my ass. I'd say that checks out. My UFC walkout song is going to be My House by Flo Rida. Complete opposite end of the spectrum, huh? Yeah. Uh, I want to get loose. I want a little upbeat vibe. Uh, in my opinion, those are my favorite fighters to watch. Guys like Ty Vasa who come out to Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Like They're just coming out, having fun, and they're probably going to whoop your ass. Are you rocking like some kind of crazy outfit, too? Um, maybe like like a, like a robe. I was thinking maybe like a pink leather jacket. Whoa, open of course. Nothing, oh, open, nothing under for it. sure. Yeah, that's filthy. I'd be scared to fight you. I would be too. Baseball wise, I want something loose, something fun, a little bit of rhythm, a little swagger. So I want to go up nice and easy, get focused. And with the the way baseball players are when it comes to superstitions, I'm going Stevie Wonder superstition. I'd say that checks out. Do you have your baseball song? I do. I think I'm going to have to go with Uptown Funk. Same kind of vibe. I like that a lot. Yeah. Getting loose, having fun, and, you know, I might take you for 450. Or maybe a good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Our second fan question uh, has to do with the ludicrous roughing the passer penalties Really all year, but especially this past weekend in the NFL. Um, There's one on Grady Jarrett hitting Tom Brady. And I can't even say hitting Tom Brady. He just tackled him. They called RTP. And then, of course, in the Chiefs-Raiders game, um, Chris Jones sacked Derek Carr, took the ball away in the process, and then apparently landed with his full weight on Carr, even though he braced himself with his left hand. Um, They called RTP on that, and... The turnover was negated. So this has been an issue the past couple of years. How does the NFL address a consistent and reasonable way to protect quarterbacks without hurting the defense? As far as consistency goes, I don't think there's a way to be consistent about it because it is pretty much completely subjective. However, the NFL did come out on Twitter today and say they stand by the uh, current calls and whatnot so I don't think we're going to see any changes or any addressing of the rules I think they're just going to let it keep being subjective which seems like the route they're going with rules these days yeah apparently the the uh, competition committee is going to review it here this week Um, I was surprised to hear a lot more criticism from the media even during the game like Troy Aikman and Joe Buck really let the refs have it which generally the NFL tells these guys to be, you know, league positive. Um, so hopefully that actually, all that backlash gets something done. Because at this point, it's, it's going to become hug the quarterback or give him a flag. And, you know, play flag football if you're going to stack the guy. Because this is just, it's frustrating to watch. Thank God I'm not a fan of one of those two teams. Um, because I'd probably be writing the league some nasty emails. Or tweeting at Roger Goodell himself. Yeah, there's really no winning there for the refs or for I mean with how the rules are written they're so vague there's really no winning for anybody Um, it's hard to say that a ref made a bad call it's hard to say that 
they're not following the rules like to a T. That's why I think it being left open to subjectiveness like that just makes it tough. Uh, I definitely think they need to address something, though. Yeah, for sure. And with that, we'll hit some uh, straight-up NFL news. Um, First up, Panthers head coach Matt Rule got fired, which uh, really surprised nobody. Um, He is uh, 11-27 and in his career, all, all with the Panthers in his NFL career. Um, but he got signed to a massive contract. He still owed forty million dollars. Um, he's going to be raking in like nine hundred grand a month for the next four years to not coach. What a sweet gig that is. Um, any surprises there for you? Probably a long time coming there, right? The only thing I'm surprised about is why you sign a rookie coach to a seven-year deal. And rookie is in never been an NFL head coach before or NFL coordinator assistant coach anything all yeah. college level so i you got to give a trial run there before you lock somebody in for that long i mean even like look at the guys who do have experience they're getting four-year deals like tops unless it's guys like i mean if belichick wanted to go somewhere else he's going to get a 15-year contract like that's just a given so for them to be like yeah you're our guy for seven years especially with not really having a whole lot of loaded talent there. I mean, as much as you want to, the, the reason he got fired is because he lost the locker room this year. I don't think it has anything to do with the record. I think it's strictly losing the rock. Well, locker that, from what I've away. read from Panther fans, it's also just poor game management decision-making. Um, but yeah, by all accounts, the locker room is kind of the biggest thing. Um, what did surprise me was not the firing, but the fact that the Panthers owner came out and said that, Baker Mayfield will be heavily involved in the head coaching search because he's their guy. What do you think about that? I mean, you've seen Baker at his best. You've seen Baker at his worst, right? So you know his best could get you to the playoffs. Um, You know his best can win you playoff games. Um, So, I mean, given he gets the right talent, the right coaching, and somebody that can just keep him under control is the, probably the most important thing there. Um, he can be a franchise quarterback. I think if he's at his best, he's franchise quarterback worthy, but he's just too inconsistent to say right now, that's my guy. Yeah. I think his ceiling is more like a game manager type, like maybe a Jimmy G. He's not looking to really go win you games with his arm. Um, but he can get the job done. He's mobile. But this year, he looks even worse than he did last year when he was banged up. And by all accounts, he's fully healthy this year. He's like 33rd in QBR. Yeah, like a 11.6 yeah, or something. Yeah, it's absurd. Lowest um, QBR since like 2008 through the first five games. But hey, you know, new system for him. Again, this is his sixth head coach in five years in, this, in the league. He's had no stability. So maybe with time, he'll settle back in. Because there is potential there. If they, um, like I said, put a team around him that he can utilize. Um, But with that, they're talking about shipping some of their players off, including star running back Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, there's a lot of buzz going on about the Bills somehow trading for him. Um, I don't know if any of this... The league should veto that. That's not fair. I don't know if any of this has any footing, but I did. There's a lot of speculation going around, around about they want draft compensation for players which I think is a great move in reality. If you can get the right draft compensation for guys like DJ Moore, 
or I mean Christian McCaffrey would give you basically the entire next year's draft so uh, is it shocking that they came out and, and are going with Baker when they just drafted Matt Coral in the first round last year I know he's hurt and out all this season but generally you don't just kind of give up on a first round quarterback like that that quickly yeah um Maybe they could just be saying that Baker's our guy just so they try and sway the locker room to be with the team because Baker is very good at taking control of morale. So maybe they're just playing for his feelings and maybe they're not actually running with him. We won't know. So, yeah, in my opinion, I think that's probably the most likely bet because I don't think the Panthers' owner is just that dumb. Nothing against Baker. I think he would make a great backup. And in the right situation, like the 49ers or something, he would probably make a good game-managing quarterback. Let's say Baker was Dallas' backup quarterback instead of Cooper Rush. He's probably still 4-0. In Most that system with, with that coaching staff and the play calling they're making, the weapons around him, he probably succeeds to a high level. Uh, but I think we just got some news out today on the Devontae Adams situation. Of course, uh, after the Monday night loss, he pushed a cameraman to the ground. Didn't look that severe. The guy did go to the hospital and was treated for non-life-threatening injuries. But uh, as far as penalties or suspensions goes, what do you have on Devontae? Um, it, it's hard saying if he'll get a suspension. He'll most likely for sure get fined. Uh, the fellow did take legal action, but... More importantly, uh, Devontae Adams got permanently banned from Worlds of Fun, the theme park in Kansas City. That's a crippling blow. So um, hopefully they don't have to play away anymore because then Devontae Adams stuck there with nothing to do. Very unfortunate. Um, I've heard Worlds of Fun's a great place, uh, great environment, so I can understand where they're coming from. You don't want a violent, uh, aggressive person like that. Because there's children, you yeah. Know? I mean, if you got families bringing their kids there, the last thing they want to see is a, uh, you know, a crazy violent psycho pushing people, possibly pushing their kids to the ground. Yeah, I mean, pushing them off a roller coaster. And like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna step up to the violent crazy man? Not to Devonte Adams. No. So uh, props to uh, World of Fun and KC for really taking a stand. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we uh, take a trip there one day. <laughs> Maybe. Until we get banned. Uh, but on a more serious note, uh, he did get charged with a city ordinance violation, which is a step under the misdemeanor assault charge, which is what they were pursuing originally. Hey, look, who hasn't violated a city ordinance at one point in their lives? Uh, you just don't get caught for it. Yeah, most people aren't on national television with cameras or pushing a literal cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see that point of view. That. Oh, that guy should post that for sure. TMZ would probably to. buy it. Oh, for sure. They're looking for assault videos, I hear. <laughs> but yeah, um, he'll probably just take a fine from the city for that. Probably a fine from the NFL, pay for, give the guy some money, pay for whatever medical bills he has from being in the hospital. Maybe some kind of like anger management course, seminar. Yeah, something. Um, I think he'll get a game suspension because he did suspend Marcus Lattimore when he pushed Mike Evans. And that was a player. So I would assume pushing a staff member would probably warrant a game suspension um Raiders are on by this week so probably next week that might come out um, but who knows the league's so inconsistent when it comes to penalties so 
Yeah. By the way, Devontae, if you're hearing this, we don't actually think you're a violent psycho. Please don't gum push me down. You also, I need you on my fantasy team. So come out strong after the bye, buddy. Um, something else came out after the two rule was instituted. Of course, Teddy B got knocked out of the last game. Now, according to the policy, the new unaffiliated spotter at each stadium who, if there is a concussion and he sees somebody stumbling, doesn't have to show proof of that to the teams. So theoretically, come a big divisional type playoff game, let's say Josh Allen gets hit, a spotter could say, hey, he stumbled, he's, do- he's done. Pull him. And John Jackson, the spotter for the Kansas Big City Patriots Chiefs, fan. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I got a eight-leg parlay. It's looking like this is going my favor. Josh Allen stumbled a little bit. Uh, he's not coming back. It's a significant loophole because, to my knowledge, I don't know if the, if the NFL has a, a policy where the employees can't gamble. I know the players can't because of Calvin Ridley. Well, they're also unaffiliated, so are they NFL yeah, so I don't employees? Know how, are they contractors? Are they employees? There's a lot of weird, vague areas there that hopefully doesn't cause any problems, but I can definitely see a situation where some shady stuff goes down with a potential concussion. Because Teddy B passed concussion protocol and should have come back to the game. And looked fine. Uh, I, I mean, from what I saw, it didn't look like he stumbled. Yeah, there's no footage of him stumbling anywhere. So one guy gets all that power to say, nope, he's out. Very odd. Now, I do think if it was a bigger name, like let's say Josh Allen does go out, I would imagine the league would immediately get involved and say, hey, no, we're covering that up. He's playing. We can't afford to have him out. Um, Because the league's been known to do some certain things like that from time to time. But uh, for now, you Dolphins fans probably a little bit upset over at least what transpired last Sunday. Uh, other than that, we have Brian Robinson making his debut finally and immediately taking all the carry shares. Yeah, nine carries for him compared to three for Antonio Gibson. Um, he was shot, what, the week before the season started? I think two shots through his knee, rehabbed it, he's back already, and looks to be in top form already. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, he's, Antonio Gibson wasn't playing terrible. By all means. So to come in and just immediately take your role back, no questions asked, shows you have some star potential, right? Yeah, he's a rookie. Uh, looks great, especially, again, coming back from that injury. Um, so I expect some solid things from him going forward. And most importantly, it's just good to see him not only healthy, but being able to play NFL football again. Yeah, really happy to see that. And the last thing we can touch on briefly is the Browns trading for Deion Jones uh, with Anthony Walker going out for the year. Uh, they needed something, and I like having a vet, former Pro Bowl, first-team All-Pro, linebacker in to really guide these younger guys on the right track. Yeah, should have about the atrocious run defense as well. But yeah, the biggest thing, like you said, is having a guy that's going to take control of that defense, which they desperately needed um, because Miles Garrett can't really do that from a defensive end position. You need a, um, an experienced linebacker like that to take over. Absolutely. Um, a couple quick injury notes. I think we got three or four in there. Uh, yep. We got Olave in concussion protocol. Uh, still waiting for more news on that. Uh, Rashad Penny out for the year with a broken fibula. Sad to see after an amazing game. 
the week before this past. Um, he looked great. He looked like he was going to keep doing it and unfortunately went down. Sad to see that. Uh, I don't think they're in bad hands with Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, though. Uh, he showed that he's going to be a force to reckon with in the future. Both Penny in week four and Kenneth Walker this previous week really gave me Marshawn Lynch vibes. Yeah, that's a, that's a great comparison. Um, both Penny especially, just a big, strong dude, hard runner, tough to take down. He's going to throw stiff arms. He's going to run into you, lower his head. Um, so big loss for them. But, yeah, the rookie Kenny Walker coming out of Michigan State, um, super talented, and now that he's getting all the carries, he um, should put up some solid numbers for a team that's a lot better than people thought, actually. Uh, yeah, by all means, the Seahawks are shocking the world. Um, I think we've got to throw it in every time. Do we write off the Seahawks? Maybe. Um, they didn't write back. They did not write back. Uh, last injury is Baker out for a couple weeks with an ankle sprain. Uh, just a couple weeks. Um, so hopefully P.J. Walker can maybe win a game. If not, they'll be on the same trajectory. So it's really not that big of a deal if they lose. Is Sam Darnold not still there? Uh, he's Is he just a forgotten man? He's still there, but he's not Is he the playing. fourth string quarterback? Uh, it appears. Wow, what a guy. From first overall pick a couple years ago to backing up P.J. Walker. And then uh, I think Tua's on track to play this week. That hasn't been announced officially yet. Yeah, I believe he's back at practice. At the very least, Teddy B should be good to go. Yeah. But yeah, it appears that Tua is on track to play on Sunday. Um, that'll wrap up our NFL news and injuries. We'll come back after the break with our Game of the Week recaps and new Game of the Week picks after this. All right, everybody, welcome back. And we are going to get in some, into some cigar notes here. We are in the second third of our cigars. I'm getting a real smooth, sweet. Can't really put my finger on the sweet yet, but uh, then there's some calm leather as well as some like dark berries going on. Uh, great smoke production. Uh, again, still getting great ashes, still a tight wrap. Uh, so far, very good. Right now, if I had to rate it, I'm going to say 8.2 out of 10. Uh, what do you got? Um, so, so far through the first third going into the uh, start of the second third right now, um, the almonds definitely coming through, like a candied almond kind of flavor. Um, a little bit of baking spices, almost like a like a carrot cake, like a coffee cake. Um, real slight pepper, um, kind of undertone there. Still some vanilla and cinnamon notes. Burning great, excellent draw. Um, solid stick so far. Definitely in that eight to nine range to this point. As far as our bourbon goes, I picked up the Metallica Blackened Bourbon today. And I'm usually pretty weary when it comes to celebrity bourbons because a lot of them are garbage. Um, but uh, Papa Hetfield and Metallica is really passionate about his cigars and whiskey. Um, they teamed up with Dave Pickerel, master distiller, who created Whistle Pig and helped out a lot with Maker's Mark getting off the ground. Um, it's a blend of three different whiskeys, a rye, high rye mash bill, a bourbon, and then like a Tennessee whiskey. And then it's finished in black brandy casks. It's that uh, 90 proof, uh, very smooth, got like a sweet, smoky flavor. Um, I'd definitely buy it again. But what sets it apart is in the Rick House, in the barrels, they actually blast Metallica music 
to the barrels um, with the reasoning being that the vibrations from the sound waves will agitate the bourbon in the barrels, creating more contact with the wood and drawing out deeper flavors. Now, I'm not sure if there's any actual science behind that, but it makes sense to me. At the least, it's a cool gimmick, and even if it wasn't good as Metallica, they're my favorite band ever. I have to buy it. But uh, two thumbs up so far. It's actually a great sipping whiskey. And I believe you said each different batch has a specific playlist. Yeah, so each member will handcraft a playlist for each batch. Um, we've got 128. Um, I'll look at that playlist later after a third break and kind of go over some of those songs. But yeah, it's a really cool, like unique kind of thing. Maybe a little gimmicky, but I'm a huge fan. And it's actually really good whiskey, too. I was going to say, the flavor's great. Um, as far as it drawing more from the barrel, I couldn't tell you. Um, but I'm sure if you're a whiskey snob, get out there and let us know if it actually does bring out more of that. Like, what what kind of barrels are those? Um, I think it's typical. I'm not sure actually when they blast it, if it's in the actual bourbon barrels or in the finishing casks. Um, I would assume probably the typical American white oak that all bourbon has to be aged in. Um, but it's a stronger flavor. I definitely get that black brandy note. Um, so again, if there's if that method actually works, I'm not entirely sure. But it tastes great. Very strong flavor. A lot of things going on. Um, I got it for like 50 bucks, which is retail pricing. Um, so I definitely buy it again. Like I said, two thumbs up so far. Uh, do we have any other um, add-ons to the Sports and Stogies bar? Um, I did grab a little cheap bottle of George Dickel Rye, which is a great budget uh, bottle. It's like 20 bucks, and it's, I think, 95 proof, 90 proof rye with a 95% rye mash bill. Um, I love rye. It's my old-fashioned, so it's right up my alley. And again, if you're looking for a cheaper bottle to sip on or to make cocktails with, you can never go wrong there. But nothing else in the humidor. I think we're due for a trip probably sometime this week. Stock up a little bit more. Yeah, definitely get some more uh, smokes. Um, diverse smokes. And then hopefully find another Weller Cohiba for you and a bottle of Weller bourbon. For a future milestone episode. Yeah, maybe episode 10 or like a, maybe a Thanksgiving or Christmas episode. I think it would be a great fit. But uh, back into the sports world, we've got our Game of the Week recaps from last week, which I think we both kind of nailed for once. How did, uh, how did your Game of the Week go? Uh, it was Eagles Cards, which... Didn't go how I thought it would, but was still a great game with everything being said. Wasn't a high-scoring, crazy matchup like I thought it was going to be. Uh, both defenses kind of held up very well, which is shocking with Arizona at least. Um, field goal determined it. Again, great and football. And a missed field goal by Arizona. Yeah. That could have sent it to OT. Yeah, great football played. And they really can't complain if you watch that game. Unlike the Thursday night game. Oh, my God. Can we finally get some decent Thursday Monday night games? Like, Chiefs-Raiders was great. But this coming Monday is Broncos again against the Chargers, at least. There should be at least one good team to watch. Is the Thursday night game even worth mentioning? Oh, my God. Bears-Commanders. I don't even want to watch that. Uh, I'm obligated to because I have to talk about it. But maybe at least it'll be funny. Last Thursday was just bad. Yeah, it was just bad football. Uh, how did your um, game of the week turn out? So I had a Ravens-Bengals, the Sunday night game. I nailed most of it. I thought it would be a lot higher scoring, but I called Ravens by a field goal. Burrow sacked three times. Both those things happened. 
Um, but it really shouldn't have been close. Lamar missed a lot of what would have been touchdown passes, just completely overthrowing his guys. Um, he threw for less than 200 again. Ran the ball well. Uh, J.K. ran the ball well. Ravens D really stepped up, and I mean the Bengals D did too. To hold Baltimore to 20 points at home is is pretty impressive. Um, overall though, yeah, entertaining, especially come the fourth quarter, but not quite what I expected. I thought it'd be much more offensive based, um, kind of like Chiefs and Raiders on uh, Monday night. Uh, that puts the Ravens at what three and two now. Bengals at two and three. So Ravens, first, Ravens in first up in the division now. Uh, Bengals are now 0-2. In the, division. In division. So that's going to hurt a little bit. So yeah, the Browns had uh, hit that last field goal. They'd be tied up with uh, Baltimore. But still, everything's super close. Yeah, again, great, Pittsburgh fan. great football this week. Um, I think every game was decided by like a score or less yeah. across the board. Uh, now we're going to go into our power rankings and switch it up a little bit, and you guys will know why when we get into our new games of the week. So, uh, again, every week the top three are pretty much locked in. And you can switch the order some, but I think we got it right. Um, but our number five, Cam, I'll let you take it because I don't want to get too crazy. Number five, of course, and the official Sports and Stogies power rankings is. It pains me to say this, but... They're playing good football. They're winning football games, and really that's what matters. They look better than their counterpart. So it's, They've yet to let up two touchdowns in a game. Yeah, and it's America's football team, the Dallas Cowboys. Let's go, baby. Yeah, even without Dak Prescott, we've touched on it every week. Cooper Rush playing solid, not turning the ball over. Defense is probably right up there with Tampa Bay as far as well, Tampa and San Fran as uh, being the best in the league. Um, Dak wants to come back this week. I think they're going to hold him out until after the bye. Yeah, I thought they went ahead and said Cooper Rush was QB1 this I'm week. Totally in, on board with that, as, as you should be. Uh, we'll touch on that matchup here coming up. Uh, number four, we have the Minnesota Vikings. Again, just winning football games. Their offense looks great. Uh, their defense is good enough, but you can't really. I mean, Dalvin Cook finally came into his shoes. Justin Jefferson's blown off that horrible game against the Lions. Yeah, he somehow leads the league in yards, even with two below average games. Yeah, so he's quickly knocked those off his shoulder. Uh, he's playing great football. Kirk Cousins is looking good. Dalvin Cook looked great finally. Uh, I think that's coming to a full circle there. Yeah, they're 4-1 and one now. I think they should probably be winning games by a bigger margin than they are. Like, they only beat the Bears by one score. That shouldn't have been that close. Um, but I think going forward especially, as that offense gets even more and more in tune, they'll uh, they'll remain in their top five. We debated the Giants at 4-1. and one. I just don't think they're quite there yet. Of course, the Packers fell out. I don't know what to make of them. Um, a healthy Tampa... We'll probably end up in our top five. But for now, we got Cowboys, Vikings, and then the top three every week. You know how it, you know how it is. Uh, the Chiefs at three. Yeah, and again, all these teams are pretty much inter- – at least two and three are interchangeable to me. Um, one is not yet. Uh, maybe after this week they will be. Maybe not. Um, two is the Bills, which in my opinion is 
They have a better all-around team than the Chiefs as far as defensively and offensively. And special teams. And special teams. Um, but it's Patrick Mahomes. He's going to make it happen. It's Travis Kelsey. He's going to make it happen. Now, watching Sunday night when they were down 17 nothing, was there any doubt in your mind they wouldn't come back and win that game? No. The Raiders are just such chokers, unfortunately. Not even that. It's like if you're down two scores on Patrick Mahomes, do you really actually have it? If you're up two scores, sorry. Do you actually – are you actually confident in winning the football game? No chance. There's no way. He has – I forget the exact number, but when he's down 10 in the fourth quarter – his winning percentage is above 50%, which is by far the best in NFL history. That's just absurd. Yeah. Even with losing Tyreek, like you've got Juju stepping up, MBS stepping up. Sky Moore really hasn't made a whole lot of impact. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And where did Clyde come from? He's got like five receiving touchdowns on the year. He's running yeah, the ball pretty well. Derek McKinnon looked great. The, both of those running backs are what they've supposed to or should have been. Clyde Edwards Hilaire should have been that since they drafted him. And maybe now they're just using him more appropriately to his skill his skill set because um, he's definitely producing so far. And of course, number one, the only unbeaten team left, the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, early MVP front runner. Um, at least in the conversation, definitely. Uh, right now, Allen, Hurts, Mahomes, for sure. Their their odds are probably close to even. As far as the Vegas odds to actually win, they're probably all around that plus 500 margin. Maybe even less at the rate they're playing. Um, if the Eagles go undefeated somehow, I mean, they do have a relatively easier schedule because than the other teams do. But if they go undefeated, I think that's a lock for Jalen Hurts. All right, we're 5-0. We're it's a lot of games left here. Let's pump the brakes on that a little bit especially with their toughest test coming up this week. Defensively. Eh, defensively. Maybe offensively, too. <laughs> Cooper Rush, 350. Uh, maybe Tony Pollard and Zeke combined for 350. Uh, hopefully. And uh, no surprises that we went power rankings first because all four of these teams are featured in our games of the week. We've got Chiefs, Bills, and we've got Cowboys, Eagles. Uh, let's start out with your homer. Man, I did not expect this to be game of the week a couple weeks ago. But 4-1 Dallas going into 5-0 Philly in um, a heavyweight battle. You know, two run-heavy teams, two stout defenses. Um, I think we have to spy Hurts pretty much every play. And I wouldn't use Micah for that. I I don't want him not rushing the passer. Uh, Maybe have Armstrong spy consistently. Um, I think our secondary is good enough, but A.J. Brown being a Big physical guy is going to be a tough matchup for Trayvon Diggs. Definitely hurts his first challenge of the season, too, yeah, as far as a, defense Yeah, a, a real pass rush and a strong secondary with that. Um, of course, these are two ball control teams, so limit turnovers, which we've done a good job of so far, and Philly has too. Um, I think it's going to come down to Cooper Rush. If it's fourth quarter and we're down a field goal or tie game, can he lead a drive? to um, get us in scoring position. Because I'm really not that worried about the defense, um, which I can't believe I'm saying that as far as a Cowboys defense goes. Uh, we should hold them. Again, we haven't let up two touchdowns in a game all year. That'll probably change. Do you, have a, should. do you have a prediction? 
Now, my my podcast brain is saying pick the Eagles, but my heart's saying pick the Cowboys. I'm going Dallas 24-21. Ooh. On the road. Ooh. Going into Philly and doing that? Is this a late game field goal, like buzzer beater field goal? I'm thinking Brett Maher comes through. Yeah. With 20 seconds left on the clock. Oh, man, I love that. Actually, I wouldn't. That'd be, probably give me a heart attack. If we lose, though, I won't be that upset. As long as it's close. I'll be honest. I don't think you can give Philly the ball if you're up only a field goal. Yeah, I don't see it. They're going to run the ball, get first downs, eat the clock out. And if need be, Hurts can and probably will beat you with his arm. Yeah. Now, uh, in a much stylistically different game, you've got Chiefs-Bills. By all means, this should be the biggest offensive bout of the year. Um. Yeah, yeah. This could be like Chiefs Rams like three years ago. Or when it was 58 55. Chiefs Bills in the playoffs. Oh my. Probably a top three game I've ever watched. I mean, this is the first time they've seen each other since then. Yeah, it's in Kansas City. And um, the Bills are actually favored. First time in Patrick Mahomes' career, he's not, he's the dog at home. Out of 41 home games, that 42nd makes him the underdog. Do you agree with that? Usually, I think these, when teams are so closely matched, they give three to the home team. It's generally how Vegas works. But they gave two and a half to the Bills. For now. Um, it, it, it's hard to say that Patrick Mahomes is an underdog, right? But it's hard to say Josh Allen's an underdog. So I think you got to look at the defenses. I think the defense is what sets the Bills apart from the Chiefs, and that's what they determined made them the underdog. In my opinion, that's the only thing they could look at. Offensively, they're pretty similar in play styles, um, but defensively, the Bills just... Trey White's coming back. Uh, Xavier Rhodes has looked good. Uh, by all means, Von Miller's looked great. They should play well. I mean... You're talking Kelsey's going to be their leading receiver. I think they're going to pretty much shut out Juju, uh, Valdez, Scantling, Sky Moore, and all them. Uh, Edwards Hilaire is going to get his sneaky plays like he always does. Jarek McKinnon looks like he's impossible to tackle. So unless you get a big guy like Von Miller on him, he's probably going to get you for five yards. Edwards Hilaire, same way. Um, but in my opinion... My heart's telling me to take the Bills. Now, I did pick the Chiefs. Actually, I picked the Bills when I pick them. It's kind of a coin toss. I really can't make a call on this. I think it's funny how, like you touched on, they're both pretty similar offensively. You're going to have Kelsey and Diggs who are going to get their 10 targets. And then they spread the ball to everybody else, whether it's Juju and Scantling, whether it's Gabe Davis and uh, Isaiah McKenzie. I think the key will be whoever establishes the run game first and can stay with it. Even though I'm assuming each quarterback is going to throw 40, 45 times, um, it's going to be, I think it's going to come down to a running game and who gets the big plays. Have the Bills established a running game this season? No, they really haven't even tried. Because they don't need to. Well, also, they, they run the ball by other passing, than, you know, two, three-yard outs. Screens. Other than Allen, he's probably going to be their leading rusher. And Mahomes could be for KC, the way he scrambles. These are both, I mean, must-see quarterbacks. 
Uh, probably the two most talented guys in the league, and rightfully so. I mean, they're front runners for MVP, like we touched on. Um, both great coaches. I'm never going to doubt Reed or McDermott. And we'll see how much the KC home field advantage actually helps them out. 38-45 Bills. Whoa. Yeah, that's your um, your primetime game Sunday afternoon, a 4.30 kick. And then Dallas-Philly is the Sunday night game. So wherever you are, you'll be able to watch both those games. And um, I imagine you guys are going to be glued to the screen. I know mine will. We'll be at work. We'll still be watching. Um, probably the most anticipated week of the season so far in terms of long-term effects on these games. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> at least for these four teams. Um Outside of that, not really a great week. No. I mean, a couple key matchups, but nothing. I mean, when we picked game of the weeks, it wasn't even a debate. No, not when there's matchups like this. I mean, anybody could guess that these are going to be games of the week, but there's no point in trying to take a sneaky pick when you know these two are going to have everybody's eyes on the screen. I mean, Jacksonville Indy could be uh, could be fun to watch. Kind of odd they're playing each other that quickly. Yeah, I don't know how the scheduling worked out, but the Colts struggle with, with Jacksonville. I mean, they won the first matchup. Granted, it was in Jacksonville, and the Colts have gotten a little better since then. They've at least won two games somehow. Uh, Minnesota-Miami could be fun, especially if Tua comes back. That could be kind of a shootout. Yeah, only if Tua comes back. Teddy B is more of the game management. I don't know if that necessarily works. Unless they their blitz goes crazy like they did the first, what, four games? Yeah. But, um, yeah, barring that. Minnesota should just launch the football. Do the Giants go to 5-1 and one hosting Baltimore? Or do they finally take so. another loss? I think they got to take a loss. I yeah, don't on paper, think, they, they should for sure. I don't think offensively they match up very well. Um, Giants defenses look good, not great. And, I mean, Baltimore's defenses not look the best, but the same time can the Giants finally capitalize on a bad defense yeah and it's weird too because Danny Dimes really has no one to throw the ball to but with Saquon coming back being a top two top three back in the league uh, with a first year head coach and Brian Dayball the Giants are actually relevant again really the NFC East as a whole besides Washington who would have thought you'd have a pair of four and one teams and a five and oh team from the worst division in football to one of the best. At least through five weeks. Right so now. Um, how about our season-long award predictions? How are those looking for you? I think mine look great. I'm fairly happy with mine so far. Uh, Josh Allen, first in yards, uh, second in touchdowns, one behind Mahomes. Is your MVP pick, of course. Yes. Uh, four interceptions, which is... Not ideal, but... Well, also, two of those were not his fault. Yeah. This guy's dropping balls that he should have caught. But 14 touchdowns to four interceptions, that's a great ratio. So I'll take that all day. And it doesn't look like they're going to be slowing down at all. So I love that pick still. Yeah, of course, I had Herbert. And he's looked good. Not quite the level I thought he would, but also he's got some fractured ribs. Um, So far, he's got just under 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns, two picks. Um, hasn't scrambled as much as he did last year, which is probably a good thing. Also, with him being hurt, I mean, he's not near as mobile. Um, looked good enough against Cleveland. Didn't have to throw that much because they ran for 5,000 yards. Um, 
they've got a good stretch coming up where you should be able to put some numbers up. Eight, well, Monday night against the Broncos should be a big performance. Fingers crossed. But through five, I'm happy with it so far. How about um, OPOY? I think for both of ours, you can flip a coin and one of them. If the season ended right now, one of them wins. Uh, both of them deserve it. Uh, Nick Chubb, first in yards, first in touchdowns with 593 and 7, and then 6.1 yards per carry, which is absurd. What do you have, like nine yards a carry against the Chargers? Yeah. Uh, if they keep up at this pace, he could have a record year. And honestly. again, finally getting red zone carries. He's got, what, seven touchdowns, you said? Yep. Yeah, absurd. Of course, I got Justin Jefferson, who after that one weird week against uh, Jeff Okuda and the Lions, he uh, leads the league in yards at 547. Just two touchdowns, but I think both both came in week one. But that's just a fluke so far. He'll definitely rack those up. Um, 40 catches on 55 targets. Um, so, pl- I mean, plenty of share, of course. That's, that's going to keep continuing. And like you said, a coin flip, really. Probably the best wide out and the best running back in the game to this point in the season. For sure. Uh, I'll let you take the lead on the defensive player of the oh year. Oh, my God, I love this guy. Micah Parsons. Tied for the league leading sacks with six. He's got uh, seven tackles for loss and 12 quarterback hits. But the things that don't show up in the stat line are really what sets him apart. He's, I mean, all the intangibles. He plays every position, makes an impact. He has to get doubled. He's still beating double teams, beating chip blocks. Um, lines up all over the field. You never know where he's coming from. He's a guy that offense has to scheme around and really focus on the entire game. He's also got a forced fumble as of last game. And uh, on the season, he's got 28 total pressures. Last time we covered, he had 13. So he had two more total pressures since the first three weeks to the second three weeks. Man's a machine. Yeah. Especially being only his second season to be this polished already. Because he's not just a freak athlete. I mean, he's super smart. He plays the game very well. Reads, reads plays great. So um, I, I really want to see how he handles Jalen Hurts and that option offense come uh, Sunday night. It'll definitely be a fun one. Um, now, your DPOY is also Micah Parsons. Yeah. So I forgot we've got both there. Great yeah. picks. Your uh, defensive rookie of the year. Is what's really looking good. Who by far looks like the most all-around NFL-ready Sauce Gardner. One interception last week. Uh, He's allow he's he allows fifty percent of his receptions, which is pretty solid, especially for a rookie. Has only allowed one touchdown, and the QB rating against him is sixty-two point three, which is solid as a rookie corner, which is notoriously the hardest position. For a rookie to go into and make an impact right away. And he has. How's uh, old Aiden Hutchinson looking? Well, he had one great game where he got all three of his sacks. Outside of that, he only has um, six quarterback hits, low pressure rate. Um, uh, overall, a bad lines defense. He really hasn't shown up a whole lot. Um, so hopefully as the season goes on, he'll kind of adjust more, get into the flow of things. He's, I'm not sure he's being used as much. I haven't watched a whole lot of Lions football. Um, so, yeah, so far, yeah, probably swing and a miss. Well, my offensive rookie of the year is definitely a swing and a miss. Do you even want to mention his name? Uh, does, Traylon he, does he even Burks. have any stats? Traylon, I didn't write any down. I know he's got one turf toe. 
Yeah, he's got turf toe. He's on the IR. So, yeah, just swing and a miss there. Well, then we cancel out because my offensive rookie of the year is Chris Olave, who leads all rookies with 200 and 389 yards, 25 catches, two touchdowns. He has uh, like a 14 yards per reception. Definitely a deep ball guy. Um, and by all accounts, from what I've read, Olave and Sauce Gardner are the two best rookies out of this class by kind of a wide margin. So uh, we wash on that. Super Bowl picks? Uh, Colts not looking too hot. Um, Buccaneers not looking too hot. You had the Rams, right? I had the Buccaneers. Oh, did you? You had the Rams. Oh, we both had the Rams. No, I changed it. Well, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And the Bucks will they'll be fine. I think you said the same thing, episode one. Yeah, that was like a month ago, dude. That was a long, long time ago. But yeah, I think the Bucks. obviously they're going to turn it around. It's Again, you can't count out Tom Brady no matter how bad he looks right now. A fully healthy Bucks he team. He didn't look that bad, though. Yeah, with his weapons he's had, he's finally getting to the point where all his guys are healthy. So we'll see. I think, I mean, right now it's hard to tell in the NFC. You don't know if the Eagles are legit. You don't know if the Cowboys are legit. Uh, the Rams suck. The Vikings. You don't know. I mean, you. Green Bay, who knows? They yeah. look great one week and then look like garbage the next. It's all so wishy-washy right now. If you had to change your Super Bowl pick right now, in the NFC, I like San Fran. Yeah. If I had to pick an NFC team right now, as far as just all-around play, honestly, you kind of got to go to the Eagles. I mean, of course, being 5-0 and and, and really having no clear weakness. Yeah, and their defense looks good. Their offense looks great. And they've shown they can overcome pretty much any challenges. So... Yeah, AFC, kind of up in the air. Chiefs, Bills, yeah, one two, of the two clear front runners. Uh, my Chargers pick again. They're three and two. Don't look bad. Not quite as good as I thought they would be on paper. Um, but that could just be you know more time with these new players on defense gelling together, coming back healthy. Um, hopefully Bosa comes back by the end of the year. Ideally, yeah. Um, losing your left tackle is rough, but they've adjusted to that pretty well given how they rushed against the Browns and pass protected just one sack um, so as long as Herbie doesn't get hurt any further maybe Keenan Allen comes back consistently healthy and, and putting up numbers um, but in his stead Mike Williams has looked a solid number one wide out at least against Cleveland he did and he has since my uh, Keenan Allen's been out so I hopefully they can keep the spread between Allen, Eckler, Everett, and Williams when they're all back. They should look like the Bills offensively when everyone's healthy. Definitely have the, the uh, personnel to do so, yeah. Do you want to touch on your AFC pick? I said the Colts look like shit. Oh, that's all you, that's all you want to say? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't think Matt Ryan's going to write the ship there? I mean, he could, but... We should mention, though... This time last year, JT had kind of the same numbers so far as he has this year. Yeah, he was RB24 in fantasy last year through five. And we know where he finished. And, I mean, by all means, it could be the same story. Yeah, so I think, again, a lot of season left. We're only five weeks in. Things could uh, totally flip from here till you know, week 18 now. Um, with that, we're going to take a quick break and come back 
after this, Sports and Stogies, Episode 6. Welcome back from our break, everybody. We are going to change pace a little bit and talk more on the tobacco side of the show. Uh, We kind of want to get more into that for our cigar fans out there rather than just here's our notes and this specific cigar. So we're going to go ahead and give you guys the top five starter brands for if you're getting into cigars, if you're already into cigars and don't really know where to go with it. Um, Other than talking to guys at your shop, uh, this is what we came up with for top five starter smokes, uh, brands, as well as a couple cigars from each brand that we recommend. Uh, You get a lot of flavor, solid smokes, uh, mild, so it's not too strong, and just all around, you can smoke one a week of these. And most importantly, some diversity. Um, there's a wide mix here so you guys can figure out what you like, what you don't like. Because um, even a stick you don't really enjoy is going to help your knowledge going forward. So starting with five and our recommended cigar brands for new smokers. What do we got, Cam? Uh, at five, we have Alec Bradley, which holds my current favorite smoke, the Magic Toast. Um, it's a sweeter cigar, a lot of chocolate, a lot of cream. Uh, takes you on a wild ride. There's a spice in the middle. Uh, the note changes from the first to the third are just so prominent. You can't help but taste it. Yeah, probably the most wildly changing stick I've had. Um, there's so many different things going on there. Uh, it's always going to keep you guessing. Even if you have it and smoke it again, you might get different notes from the first time you smoked it. Yeah, and again, all these brands, they all have their high-dollar cigars. They all have their budget cigars. Uh, I believe the Magic Toast goes for around 12 bucks on the high end. Maybe it's cheaper. Uh, the other one that I like a lot is the Gatekeeper. Uh, solid smoke, mild, a uh, lot of good flavor. Um, light on the pepper, just rolls in the back of the throat. Uh, a lot of woody oak and chocolatey notes there as well. Um, but yeah, if you don't know where to begin, Alec Bradley is definitely a good place to start. Plus the, uh, the blind faith, which you are smoking currently. Yeah. Great smoke. And yeah, like you said, with these, we try to focus on cigars that you can find pretty much at every shop for a, a relatively cheaper price, um, which I would definitely recommend if you're just starting off. Uh, fourth place, we have Espinosa. Um, one of my favorite sticks from then is the La Crema. It's a nice... You know, vanilla heavy, cream heavy, as the name would suggest. Kind of a, a dessert smoke, um, after dinner kind of smoke. Very easy, very smooth. Um, a great introduction to the sweeter side of things. Um, the Laranja and the 601 are both very uh, good sticks. And I did smoke the Guy Fieri brand from Espinosa, the Knuckle Sandwich, which um, I will definitely be buying again. So any Espinosa you see out there, really can't go wrong. Um, again, all pretty much $10 or below in that ballpark. Um, so go ahead and pick one of those up if you guys see those out there at your local shop or anywhere you go to find your smokes. And another uh, stick from Espinosa is the Wasabi. Um, our good buddy Kelsey who attended the game with us is the guy we go to for recommendations if we're not talking to a guy at a store. And he highly recommends the Wasabi smoke. It sounds like it's going to be spicy, but he says it's the spice runs out pretty quick. And it's a distinct wasabi-colored green wrapper. You really yeah. can't mistake it. Might be a little harder to find, though. Yeah, I don't think our local shop carries those, at least the one I go to the most. 
Um, but they will pop up from time to time. Uh, at three, we have Drew Estates. Uh, this is, I think, probably the best route to go at very entry level. They have, uh, they're known for their infused cigars, acids, and Java. Um, the acids, once you get going, you'll find to be a little too sweet. Uh, however, the Java infused are a lot more toned down, and Austin can speak for that. Yeah, it's something I smoke regularly, and this has become my new introductory smoke. If I'm going to have a buddy that hasn't smoked before, I'm going Java. Because, yes, they're infused, but not overly so. So you're going to taste coffee, noticeably, but it's not going to overpower the other notes in the tobacco. So really well-balanced, and um, it's something that beginners can pick out a clear fla- flavor for and um, and go from there. So uh, the NDB is probably my favorite from Drew Estates. Um, same kind of deal. Lightly infused, not overpowering, but enough that you're going to get something from it that you can clearly pick out and um and give a note on number two we got rocky patel a little more high dollar especially on their upper echelon of um their products but uh, the number six is very you know again 10 12 bucks i believe we reviewed that yeah i think previously i think i smoked that one of us smoked that last episode i think so um they've got like a 10th anniversary series 25th anniversary 50th anniversary if you're going to spend a little bit more that are all really complex super well made um, you'll find guys that smoke for 20, 30 years still smoking Rocky Pats. Um, really reliable, classy, well-known brand. Uh, you can, Again, you can find these probably anywhere. Even at like you go to like a UDF. Any place that has cigars probably has at least one Rocky Patel. And uh, they never let me down. I still routinely buy those, and we have some in our humidor still right now. And at number one, we have the brand I started out with, AJ Fernandez. Um I've it's by far the brand I've smoked the most. Uh, uh, likewise, yeah. I've never had a miss. I've never. There's maybe cigars that I wouldn't buy again, but not that I didn't enjoy it. Um, you can name pretty much any cigar from that brand, and it's gonna be a solid smoke. Yeah, they're probably my favorite overall brand. Um, as, at least as far as like a daily smoke goes, because they're super affordable for the quality you're gonna get. Um, the Bayes Artes is my personal favorite. Again, a great ideal dessert smoke. Some dark chocolate, coffee, toffee, little caramel sweetness. Um, every AJF I've had has been super well made, burns incredibly, excellent draw. Um, the uh, San Latano New World, the Ramon Iones, the New World Cameroon, literally any AJ Fernandez that you guys see is definitely worth trying out. So hopefully that gives you guys a decent roadmap to start off with. Um, again, if you guys want to write in emails or comments to us for you know more personalized recommendations, get us on our uh, Facebook page, TikTok, Twitter, our email. And um, again, you can never go wrong with just going into your shop and talking to the guys there because nobody knows more than people that are passionate about cigars that work in shops like that. Yeah, all of again, all of our handles on social medias are Sports and Stogies, same name as the title. And our email is sportsandstogies at gmail.com. Feel free to email any questions you have, sports or cigar related, and we will do our best to answer it on air and um, hopefully give you the information you're looking for. With that being said, we're going to jump into the MLB playoffs. Austin, why don't you take it away? 
God, best time of the year. I almost wanted to lead with baseball, but I know it's kind of pushing it. Um, so I posted my wild card picks on the socials last week. Um, some quick recaps there. Cleveland beat Tampa Bay 2 to nothing in that series, best of three. Um, game one was 4-1. to one. Game two went 15 innings scoreless until Cleveland had a walk-off solo homer to uh, advance them. And our personal team matchup, the Mariners against the Blue Jays, that was also a 2 nothing series. Um, game one, former red leg Luis Castillo pitched seven and a third, scoreless, looked fantastic. Game two, didn't look so great. It was 8-1 to one Blue Jays. I know you're watching that game. What happened there in game two after that? Uh, they just blew it. Uh, there's really nothing else to say. Um, pitching started to get lackluster. Um, not the biggest fan of our whole bullpen. Uh, definitely need to make some changes there in the offseason or at least get guys to progress a little better. There are some guys in there I like, like Simber. Interesting pitching form. I think that makes him harder to hit, especially because he mains sliders. Yeah, very deceptive. Um, other than that, offense just got offense just dropped off. Couldn't hit anymore. Um, wasn't really what I expected, though. Being up seven to drop the lead and lose ten to nine in the ninth. Yeah, great ball game though. Hey, still a super young team. Great core. I think you picked a great team to follow going forward. How would you rate your overall first season as a Blue Jay fan? Uh, it was definitely a lot of fun. Uh, I don't see our talent going anywhere. Um, I think they're going to be great for the future. Uh, like I said, minor minor bullpen adjustments, and I think we'll be a solid all-around team. Uh, defensively, we look good. Uh, offensively, if we're hitting, we're hitting. I mean, Vladdy's great. Bo Bichette's great. Uh, Kevon Biggio's good. George Springer. George Springer's phenomenal. Uh, Tapia is a very great contact hitter. Um, even our catchers, Kirk and Jensen, both great defensively. And both are not really what you expect as far as power goes, but they can both get on base very easily. Yeah, and most importantly, you guys show that you can compete in what was probably the best division in baseball. So as far as ownership goes, there's no reason why you guys can't spend some money, beef up that bullpen in the offseason, and I expect you guys to definitely repeat uh, at least a playoff appearance next year. Um, in the NL, uh, I picked the Mets, and that was the only series that went to three games. Um, the Padres beat Max Scherzer up pretty badly in Game 1, won that game. Mets rebounded in Game 2. And then Game 3, the Padres got it done. Um, to my surprise and a lot of other people's surprises, um, I touched on a couple weeks ago that when the Mets got swept by the Braves in their last regular season series, that was going to have a lot bigger effect than people thought. If the Mets won even one of those games, they would have won the division, avoided the wild card series, and would still be in the playoffs right now. So 101 wins in the regular season drops to an early exit for New York. Um, I know the fans are not happy there. Kind of a letdown, but I mean, that's baseball. You know, when it comes down to the October, you got to perform. And the offense stalled. Scherzer, who got paid massively in the offseason, again, just he gave up like three homers in that first game. But they should rebound next year and be back to uh, the postseason. And then lastly, the Cardinals got knocked out. Another upset. The Phillies beat them two games to none in a, a series that shocked a lot of people, again, myself included. That wraps up Albert Pujols' career. He's officially done. Probably Yadi Molina, too. 
Um, a pair of first ballot Hall of Famers for sure. Um, a quick stat on Pujols. He actually ended his career with more extra base hits than he had strikeouts, which will probably never be done again. The current leader in that is Mike Trout, who has literally two times as many strikeouts as he does extra base hits. So Pujols is probably the last of the old guard kind of contact hitter that does not strike out. Hits for power and average. Um, sad to see him go. I wanted one more good postseason run from him. But uh, they just, again, offense stalled, and the Phillies stepped up. So going into the divisional series, which started on Saturday, um, the Braves won today to tie it up with Philly 1-1. to um, The Yankees beat Cleveland in game one, 4-1. to They'll play again tomorrow. Um, the Dodgers won game one over the Padres. They're currently playing game two. It was 4-3 to last time I checked. Let's uh, give a quick score check on that. Um, again, I expect the Dodgers probably to sweep that series because they are by far, I think, the best team in baseball. They're my World Series pick. Um, the Dodgers lost 5-3, to three, so that series is now even. Wow. Yeah, Padres steal one in L.A. That should go back to San Diego. I think it's a 2-2-1 setup here in the uh, divisional series. Um, but I, I still think the Dodgers probably win the next two games. And then um, the biggest game of the weekend so far, the Houston-Seattle series. My Mariners look good. Had a lead late, got up early. They beat up Verlander, who's probably your Cy Young winner. And then, bottom of the ninth, two men on. Jordan Alvarez. Two outs. And Jordan, who if not for Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge would be the AL MVP, hits an absolute bomb to walk off for the Astros. That probably ends that series. I know the, the teams that win game one in the five-game series go on to win 75% of the time. And uh, I just don't think the Mariners have what it takes to get it done. Cam, you have any predictions for the rest of the postseason going forward? I do. But real quick, I just got a notification that San Diego winning is their first win in the divisional series in 16 years. That's yeah, big. That's, that's big. So that's Pretty big, pretty substantial. Could keep the momentum rolling. Yeah, they, they hit three bombs off Kershaw tonight, who kind of has some... He gets a, lot, a bad rap for his postseason performances, but he's been known to give up homers in, in October. Yeah. And the Padres um, got it done. I have a World Series prediction that's not looking so hot right now, but I stand by it. I got the Guardians versus the, Dar the Dodgers. Uh, the Guardians taking it. Uh, I think they have a young, very young, fun team, and by all means, they look like they're playing with something to prove. Um, aside from Jose Ramirez, they all are pretty much mostly rookies. So it, just to be this far is super impressive. They have a lot of momentum. T super talented defensively. Offensively could use some work. Great bullpen. Great starting pitching staff. Uh, all around, they look like a phenomenal team. So I got them taking it, and the Dodgers are just the Dodgers. They're just great. Yeah, prior to the series starting, I also picked Cleveland to beat the Yankees. Um, they're an old-school kind of throwback team. They don't strike out. They don't hit many homers, but they hit for contact. Great defense, great staff, the best bullpen in the uh, postseason right now. Uh, Colase is definitely the best closer out there. The dude's filthy. But you got to have a leap in the ninth for him to make an impact. Um, they played better in game one than I think most people thought. If it goes back to Cleveland, I think they can take games three and four, fingers crossed. 
Um, but the Yankees, of course, are a powerhouse. A lot of power with Judge and Stanton and Rizzo. Um, but I've got Cleveland beating them. Got some work to do, though. Uh, I've got Houston over Seattle, of course. The Astros are kind of the Dodgers of the AL. Just no flaws. Deep lineup, deep rotation, strong bullpen. And they've been here before. A lot of experience. Um, Altuve, I think, has the most postseason homers all time, besides Manny Ramirez. Um, Jordan is just scary. I'm walking that dude every time in a, in a serious situation. Uh, you got a Cy Young and Verlander. You got Framber Valdez. He's a solid number two. Um, and again, when it comes to October, you, you can't count out experience, which the Astros have plenty of. Um, on the NL side of things, of course, I've got the Dodgers beating the Padres. And I've got the reigning champ Braves over Philly as that series is 1-1. One one. And then going forward, World Series, I've got Dodgers against Houston. Maybe kind of obvious, the two best teams in each league, but I think um, I don't see a team that has enough firepower altogether to get by them in a five- or seven-game series. I'm going with the Dodgers to win the 2022 World Series, get some revenge again on Houston for a couple years ago after the whole cheating scandal. Um, but a lot of entertaining baseball at least, guys. Definitely worth watching. October baseball, there's, there's really nothing like it. Um, so we'll come back at you next week. I think the division series will be all concluded. And it should be down to four teams left. That's about all I got for baseball. And that brings us right into NBA, which of course is Cam's specialty. Oh, yeah. Uh, leading off with NBA news, uh, I'm sure all of you have seen the video of Draymond Green knocking Jordan Poole out. Even though none of us were supposed to see that video. Uh, yeah, TMZ apparently paid $2.3 million for that video. Um, by all accounts, Draymond Green took a small fine that the Warriors are not going to disclose unless it gets paid for. Um, he's back with the team as of this Thursday, today, when you guys are hearing this. Um, set to play game one, which they are tip-off night. Um, other news. I don't uh, want to understand that, though. This was a knockout. Yeah. This is a UFC level knockout. Draymond absolutely floored oh, Jordan yeah. Poole. Oh mean, yeah, stone cold knockout. Definitely going to be some uh, morale building throughout the yeah, year. Yeah, how is that going to affect the rest of the team? I also saw a, uh, a little fun line, uh, like question, uh, with Wiggins, Poole, and Draymond all being ready for max contracts uh, to sign them all half a billion dollars so you really got to pick and choose there um if you're gm what do you do there one through three who do you got i got draymond three i'm not he's not a, he's not a super max player valuable yes this isn't super max it's just max is there really a difference there's a large difference <laughs> like 100 million dollar difference <laughs> hey i'll take a max deal i'll be happy with yeah. that um in my opinion, I got pool three because he'll never get the role he wants. He'll always be a six man as long as Steph and Clay are both playing. So I think he would shine on a different team. So as far as in his best interest, I think he should go somewhere else. Uh, Draymond Green at two, he's the team's leader. As much as he does dumb shit, and talks a lot of trash. He He's shown time and time again that he keeps his teammates in check. 
He's their leader. He's a little hot-headed, but everything he does is for the team other than being a little too hot-headed in practice. Uh, He's like Pat Bev, but actually good. Yeah, exactly. And I think your must-sign is Andrew Wiggins. You need a three, and he was an all-star last year, and he's the locked-in starter. And right now there's really no better three spots available. Yeah, I can see Poole taking on a like a Jalen Brunson type situation where he was a six guy, stepped up to a bigger role on a new team, and makes a significant impact. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, you want more for your legacy. Of course, yeah. He got a Jordan Poole has a ring. So unless everyone's he's that confident that they can win two more in a row, there's no reason not to take a max deal with another team. Any team in mind for that? Is it too early to tell? Honestly, Utah. God, they need somebody. You're All s- this draft stock, have one guy to build around. Why not? You have one guy to build around, and you can learn from Mike Conley, who, by all means, has been, he's a phenomenal teammate. He wins teammate of the year, like, every year. Mike Conley, Buckeye legend. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's fundamentally sound, um, and he can elevate your mentality to that next level where you put your teammates before yourself. Now, the commission, Adam Silver, had some um, uh, some kind of out-of-the-blue comments that I'm surprised he went public with as far as teams tanking for the, by all accounts, biggest prospect since LeBron. Mr. Let me try this. Wembyama? I believe it's... Victor Wembyama? Wem- Wembanyama. Banyama. Wembanyama. Yeah. Which I know you have some strong feelings about him and the commissioner's comments. I don't understand where the hype's coming from. If you look at his professional career, he's never started for a season. And his best season is nine points, five rebounds, one assist, one steal, two blocks, two turnovers, three fouls. So his playmaking's not great, like everyone's saying it is, if he's getting more turnovers than assists. His defense is not that great if he's getting more fouls than blocks. And nine points a game, and he's supposed to be the superstar offensive player. But he looked great in the showcase, right? So what? The dude's, what, 7'4", 205, can stroke, give or dribble, take. supposedly wants to play point. You can't play him at point. And here's the thing. Look at Chet. Chet looked great in college. He looked great in all the showcases and pro days he played in. And what happened to Chet? He got bodied by LeBron. And it's the same story with Victor, except he's taller. And it's like, you put Victor against Embiid. What happens? It's like me playing my dad when I was, you know, nine. Right. You have no chance. Yeah, your best bet is if you don't get shoved out of bounds is you get your hand up in time to tip the ball. And that's unlikely. So, I mean, is he going to be guarding fives? Do you play him at four? Fives are going to be guarding him. he got to spread the floor, right? The guy can stroke. Got a yeah, great jumper. Look at all the the big fi- the great fives. There's not a bad defensive five in the league right now. Not in today's game. No, too athletic and they can move and play perimeter D. So it's like really what what's your goal with these like, are you hoping they put on weight? 
Are you hoping they're more like Porzingis? But even Porzingis had like 30 pounds on these guys. And that's shown time and time again that that body type is not sustainable. So you don't think he warrants the commission saying, hey, teams, do not tank for this guy. And publicly saying that. I mean, you can say that, but I don't think it warrants people saying if him and LeBron were both rookies that LeBron would be too. I think that's just... That's absurd. Absurd. And again, I don't know why everybody's so high on this guy. He's done virtually nothing. He is putting up below average stats for even like the eighth guy off of your roster. So do you think an NBA coaching and training staff could get him into shape enough to where that won't be an issue as far as guarding real NBA fives? Maybe. I, I don't think he he can't play at the five. He, he'll he get torched if he plays defense against the five as far as if Carl Anthony Towns is backing him down, he's got to take a charge. And the only time you see that is, is when 6'3", 195 point guards are taking charges being backed down. And the fact that your center has to play the same way doesn't even make sense. Do you just sit back and let your seven four height and 19-foot wingspan block shots instead of you trying to, try, to body guys? But you're historically not even that good at that. But, I mean, you do you take the Orlando Magic route, them announcing they're playing Bobo at the three? It's like, how good is that going to be? Uh, definitely an experiment worth watching. Think about your threes. Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, Luka, Kevin Durant. Like All these guys get played, get defended by threes and defend threes. Is Bobo going to get through any of those? I mean, as a casual NBA fan, no, I don't see it. And even like Jimmy Butler. What do you do if Jimmy Butler's on Bobo or Wimbenyana? He's going to steal the ball. So you almost have to play him at the four or five because those smaller guys that are physical are just going to get the ball from you. As far as what the commission said, did that shock you? Like publicly coming out and telling teams not to tank? You should never say that. That's uh, an email to the owners, right? Like you can't publicly announce that. It looks terrible for the league because you're telling the fans that teams are going to tank for this guy. Basically. If I'm a Magic fan, I know my team's going to tank. Why am I watching? Yeah. There's, Why am I going to games and buying tickets or buying merchandise? I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that statement at all. Uh, but I digress on that. Uh, you guys might hate me for that take, but I stand by it. Yeah, between your brownies and the Wembamiyama, you're, uh, you're coming in hot this week. Uh, sometimes you just got to do that. As far as the IR goes for NBA, uh, LaMelo Ball... Grade 2 ankle sprain, set to miss a couple weeks, including tip-off. Uh, Porzingis went down with an ankle, but by all accounts, he's supposed to be healthy for Game 1. Uh, he's not walking with limps at practice or anything. So two quick injuries there. Uh, Jamal Murray's set to make his debut after 593 days that's missed. So big, too. I think a lot of people kind of forgot about him. Yeah, that's huge. And the John Jazz, Wall. I mean, the um, the Nuggets were very good without him. Oh, yeah. So when he steps back in, especially if he goes back to the level he was at prior to the injuries, that's a significant return. Oh, yeah. John Wall's looking good. Uh, ben Simmons is doing Philly Ben Simmons things. He's facilitating and playing great defense. So all the guys that you th- 
Zion looks good. So doesn't look like we're going to see any of those major injuries again for the foreseeable future, but anything can happen. Uh, let's get into our NBA award predictions. Yeah, so the uh, opening night is next Tuesday, um, which our show won't be out, or our next show won't be out before then. So we're going to do predictions now and then touch on the tip-off games. I think there's two of them on Tuesday night, which are, are marquee matchups. Um, so I'm going to try my shot here. Again, it's a casual NBA fan with my award predictions. MVP, I went chalk, but he's also my favorite player. We're going to Luka Doncic. Uh, rightfully so. I think um, he's probably the most electric and well-rounded player I've seen in a while. Um, I love the guy's style. Seeing him in person last year was just a real treat to be a part of. You know, probably the best passer, one of the best passers in the league. Great facilitator. Can shoot, can drive. Um, a better defender than people think. I think he was the highest rated guard defender last year For at his sure. position. Um, and bringing in some help. Hopefully the Mavs actually make a decent playoff run, which should only help the MVP chances. So, uh, yeah, rocking with Luka. Ooh, we got to get a, a jersey in here, I think. Yeah, we got in, in studio. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm rocking with Ja Morant. Uh, by all means, he should have been in the MVP conversations last year, not most improved player. Uh, well, he be most improved this year, though, right? Uh, probably, yeah. But, uh, yeah, if he does what he did last year, Maybe takes the Grizzlies a little further now that they're a little more experienced. Kept the same team, didn't get rid of anybody. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. should be healthy. Barring everybody stays healthy and John Morant performs, he should just get better. I mean, you don't see guys decline in their third year. So he should be in that MVP race pretty tight. Well, you just mentioned my DPOY pick. And if I'm wrong here, correct me. Again, casual NBA guy. But I'm going Triple J. Um, as a guy that can guard most positions on the floor, I think he finished top five in blocks last year. Yep. Versatile, strong dude. He's going to guard your 3-4-5. Good rebounder. Um, I'm not sure we finished in voting last year as far as DPOY goes. I think top five. Yeah, but as far as um, you know, Grizzlies should be just as good, if not better, than they were last year. That's going to help your voting there. So, uh, fingers crossed on Triple J, one, staying healthy, and then two, living up to that defensive uh, reputation. And uh, my defensive player of the year is very similar, but I think more dominant, is Bam Adebayo. Uh, Again, he can guard one through five efficiently. Um, Great in the paint for blocks and rim rim protection. Um, Barring injuries, I love the heat this year, too. Uh, this is one of the last couple years they have to actually prove that they're a legit team. So, yeah, I'm going Bam Adebayo. And he's probably the best switch defender in the game, right? Uh, Based on what I saw last year. In my opinion, yes. Yeah. Maybe Jared Allen. Oh, love that dude, too. Rocking the fro. Yeah. Um, rookie of the year, I'm going Jaden Ivey in Detroit. Um, love watching this guy at Purdue. He torched the Buckeyes every game they played. Um, really quick, great ball handler, solid jump shot. Um, especially with a young team in Detroit, he should get plenty of opportunities to show up on both offense and defense. Um, that's about all I got as far as that goes. Thoughts? Um, I don't hate it. Uh, rookie of the year is always a tough pick. you got to really go for guys that are going to have the biggest opportunity. Um, 
and by all means, being on the Pistons, you have phenomenal opportunity. Um, you got Cade Cunningham. You have uh, Sadiq Bay. Yeah. Uh, one of your fantasy stars last year. Yeah, I'm not playing fantasy basketball this year either. But um, yeah, my rookie of the year, I'm going Shade and Sharp for the Portland Trailblazers. Um, losing CJ really opens up that two spot. Uh, this kid's electric. He's athletic. He's fast. He can shoot. He can dunk. I mean, very, in my opinion, looks just identical to Jalen Green, but doesn't rely on his athleticism as much. So, And I think he's got great opportunity. Uh, really, he's just got to beat out Afrony Simmons, or Simons, I believe is the proper pronunciation there. But um, and I think that's completely doable. Um, so, yeah, I think he's got a very high ceiling um, with a pretty high floor, too, honestly. What do you got for most improved player? Most improved player, I'm going Jalen Brunson. Uh, he's going from a six-man to the one spot, and there's no competition on who else should be starting point guard in New York. And his numbers should just improve. Um, I think he becomes the second option offensively. Uh, I think R.J. Barrett would play a better role at third option. But unfortunately, I think they'll game plan him to be the first option, which I love Julius Randle as the first option there. But Jalen Brunson's shown, hey, if I'm in, I'm going to I'm gonna play good basketball. Yeah, watching him in the playoffs last year, the two games Luka was out, where Brunson totally took over, dropped 30. Um, kid's very talented, and now to see him get a chance to shine as a starting point guard, should definitely produce. I'm going uh, Tyrese Halliburton for the Pacers, who uh, got traded last year from Sacramento. Yes. And kind of a shocking move. Uh, Yes and no. Not very big in popularity, but... Domitas Sabonis is really what they needed. Uh, they have De'Aaron Fox, who's a great guard. So racking up seven guards is kind of pointless. But, yeah, I don't hate that pick. Uh, he should be going into a more vo- – he's their starting point guard. So that's a big up in volume and opportunity. So his numbers should just skyrocket. Yeah, good playmaker, kick and score. He's got good size for a point guard athletic so uh again fingers crossed on that taking my first shot at uh, the nba it's kind of like how you had the blue jays last year your first year into baseball yeah i really haven't followed nba too closely the past five six seven years it's time for that to change so it's definitely gonna change this year yeah for sure and six man of the year going malcolm brogdon the newly acquired boston celtic love him in boston yeah i think he's gonna have a great situation there coming off the bench um probably playing some one and two great defender Duke can shoot um, and he's not gonna be asked to do a whole lot because there's so much talent on that team with Tatum and Brown Marcus Smart still um, maybe some issues there with the coach not being uh being on the sidelines this year but yeah. Brogdon you know veteran guy winner winner in college um, and again I think a better role for him coming off the bench on a great team yeah um, I agree uh, my sixth man of the year is Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, 
last year he didn't have as much volume because of Brunson. So he is now going to assume Brunson's role. So he's going to be more ball dominant with the second team. Um, and I've been following this guy since he was in um, Brooklyn. Love the guy. Loved him and Karis LeVert. Uh, the, that was my toss-up was Karis LeVert and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie because I think they're both just great and historically underutilized guys. Uh, I think they both have very good opportunities this year, but I think Spencer Dinwiddie has the biggest opportunity this year as far as being the head of the second team in Dallas. Especially when Luka gets some rest. Yeah, The sure. facilitator, the guy's going to score and control the floor. And a good defender, too. Um, who you got winning the East and West and then the finals? My finals matchup. This might deserve a gong hit. Whoa, you're calling your shot. Calling. I, I kind of thought mine did. Actually, I don't think I know your picks. I hope we didn't pick the same one. I don't think we did. Surely, I hope not. The gong's ready. The Miami Heat versus the Denver Nuggets. Again, this is one of the, like I said with the Heat, this is one of the last couple years they have to prove. Uh, I think Tyler Hero's great. I think Jimmy Butler's great. I think Kyle Lowry gets the job done. Bam Adebayo's great. It's all-around great team. And maybe the best coach in basketball with Spolstra. One of, for sure. Uh, and the Nuggets with Jamal Murray back, uh, in my opinion, are just un- going to be unstoppable. And two-time reigning MVP. Yeah. I think they're going to be unstoppable. And I think right now the West is anybody's game. Um, I think the best two teams in the West are going to be the Clippers and the Nuggets. Funny you mentioned the Clippers because they are my finals winner. I got the Clippers taking down Milwaukee with Kawhi Leonard, finals MVP. Yeah, I got uh, the Heat winning with Jimmy Butler, finals MVP. I like that too, but I think uh, Clippers coming back healthy for now with Kawhi, Paul George, who brought in John Wall. Right? Yes. Yes, uh, should be big. In a conference that, like you said, with the Suns regressing, at least on paper, and in the locker room, it looks like a lot of things kind of up in the air there. Um, Golden State should be just as good as they always are, but I think um, I think the Clippers are a good matchup defensively and physically for Golden State. Yeah, and the Clippers' big missing piece was facilitator. And in John Wall, they have that guy again. They have a great two-way playmaker out of John Wall. Hoping he stays healthy. He rested last year mutually with the Rockets uh, after putting up 20 points per game and I think 10 assists the previous year. So if he can do that again, uh, that'll take some pressure off of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, keeping them healthy. Uh, Vika Zubak proved he can play last year. So, yeah, I love the pick. And again, a great coach in Ty Lu who – brought them to the playoffs last year on a team that really shouldn't have made the playoffs no that was with Paul George down for most of the year and Kawhi Leonard out for the whole year now our tip-off games we have two on Tuesday night we've got uh, Sixers and Celtics starting off at 730 Uh, who you got in that one I'm going Philly yeah I really like Philly this year um, you got a, a second stage of James Harden career, being more less shot heavy, <clears throat> less shot heavy, more pass first kind of guy running that offense. I mean, Embiid, you know what you're getting with him. Tyrese Maxey uh, becoming a solid third option. 
or maybe a second option if Harden takes even a bigger step back offensively. Tobias Harris, of course. Yeah, they definitely look great on paper. Um, <clears throat> by all means, they should perform very well. They performed great with Harden and Embiid last year, so not much of change should be expected. Only improvement as far as chemistry goes. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I got to take the 76ers, and I'm going to say 76ers by six. And the nightcap, you've got the Lakers in Golden State. Uh, Golden State by 62. Yeah, that, that really shouldn't be close, right? I know no. it's easy to kind of shit on the Lakers, and maybe rightfully so. Unless Russell Wilson or Russell, Russell Wilson. <laughs> and they both suck. I mean, who's worse, Westbrook or Wilson? Yeah, unless Russell Westbrook looks like he did in 2016, um, I don't see that team working out well. Anthony Davis is injury prone, unfortunately. Love the guy. Um, LeBron missing a lot of games lately, too. He's getting older, so I can't blame him. But, um, yeah, I don't think they they didn't get acquire anything in the offseason that everyone thought they would. Yeah, they really have no significant role players. Yeah, they don't have significant role players. They don't have shooters still. So it's like, what you just have the same team as last year with different names. And really nothing big in the draft either. No. At least for now. I mean, you never know how guys are going to progress throughout the year, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. Lakers missed the playoffs? Probably. That's not really even a hot take, though, is it? Like I said, if Anthony Davis and Russell Wilson are healthy, or Russell Westbrook are healthy and playing to their full potential, you have a finals team to be quite honest. However, Anthony Davis is most likely going to go down with ankle injuries, and Russell Westbrook is probably going to be a shadow of his past self again. But even if he is full potential, does that really mesh with the team? Uh, as far as... Like the way he played when he won MVP, when there's nobody else on that Thunder team, can he put those numbers up and still win games with the team he has? Yes, because he has nobody else on the Lakers. Well, you have LeBron and AD. Right, but they can all get their share, and they can all play Super Bowl dominantly. And that's what they did last year. Yeah, we'll do uh, more in-depth on our Homer team, which I think we both have Cavs-Mavs on uh, next show. But for now, we're going to go to one more break, come back at you with some quick college football news, some college basketball news, and of course, Sleepers of the Week after this. And welcome back, everybody. We are going to finish off our cigar notes and give a rating for you guys. Me, personally, uh, not much change from the second to third. Um, solid smoke. I have to give it an 8 out of 10. Uh, I went, If it popped up in my humidor, I wouldn't not smoke it. Uh, definitely enjoyed it. That is the... Um, Alec Bradley, Blind Faith, uh, Solid Smoke for sure. Yep, and the Oye de Nicaragua, Numero Uno, I give about 8.2 somewhere in there as well. Um, the Vanilla definitely took back over the final third. Very sweet, good way to finish up. And paired great with our Blackened Metallica Bourbon. Um, we're going to take some quick notes on college hoops, some college football news, especially a big weekend coming up. 
and then uh, hit up sleepers of the week, bums of the week, and finish off strong. So, Cam, what do you have for college basketball? Uh, just a homer team news. Um, former player of the year, Oscar Tashibwe, uh, probably butchering that, for Kentucky, underwent a minor knee surgery, according to Calipari. Uh, I've never heard of a minor knee surgery before. So hopefully that doesn't aggravate throughout the year and we can get another solid year of Kentucky basketball. Yeah, knees are um, worrisome for sure. Especially in big guys. Yeah, a guy like that uh, makes a significant difference. So fingers crossed there. Kentucky's always always good. Oh, yeah. Um, on the gridiron, college football, Kansas Jayhawks no longer undefeated. They uh, went down to still undefeated TCU, 38-31. Um, Alabama escaped Texas A&M in a very close game that they probably should have lost. Uh, Bama's vulnerable. They've been in some close games that they probably should have lost both of. Um, but they remain in the polls at number two. Um, coming into Saturday, we have five matchups amongst ranked teams, three of which are between a pair of undefeated teams. At noon, you have number 10, Penn State, going to Michigan in the big house. You've got number 8, Oklahoma State, who looks maybe like the best team of football, and they play great against ranked teams especially. Um, they go to TCU in a um, battle for the Big 12. And your marquee game of the week, number 3, Bama, goes to Rocky Top at number 6, Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's a 7-point home dog. Which, according to Caesar Sportsbook, 83% of bets are going on Tennessee plus 7. Which is shocking. Vegas is not like having that big of margins in their bets, so I expect that line to move even more. Lock it in while you can at plus 7. I think Tennessee definitely covers that, if not wins outright. Like I said, Bama looks pretty vulnerable. And the uh, Tennessee quarterback hooker has like 10 touchdowns, no picks. Defense He's, looks great. Uh, and the SEC, the SEC battles are always always entertaining and hooker's one of the front lines for heisman this year so far behind cj stroud of course um maybe a lot of games left yeah uh, um, before that, we go whoa, into whoa, sleepers whoa, 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 whoa. what do you got here are you doing a pat mcafee cosplay tonight i just realized it am i really uh, he's known for his black tank tops it's a little toasty in here <laughs> and i just just noticed it when you were talking about college ball i'm like that's pat mcafee right across from hey me. dress like your idols right you got to uh, imitate who you want to be. Yep. Uh, if I get back in the gym, maybe I'll really beef up the cosplay some. I'm a little doughier than the Pat is currently. That's true. And also less successful. Uh, for now. For now. Now, sleepers. I got back on the board last week with a 69-56 to 56 win. Puts me at 2-3 and three on the year. 3-2 like over here. Well, naturally. That's how the math checks I out. I like that a lot. Did you, did you calculate that? Yeah. Is your abacus over there? Yeah, it's called uh, whooping your ass. Eh, 3-2 is not quite a whooping. Um, so thanks to Kirk Cousins gave me 22 and Devontae Smith put up 19. Really my only significant scorers. Um, Jarvis Landry did not play. And really my biggest disappointment uh, for you, Greg the Torch Dorch put up zero. No longer his nickname, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he, he lost that privilege. Yeah, he is no longer the Torch. Um, yeah, you swung. You went big with Kenny Pickens. Didn't quite work out. Kenny Pickett, I should say. Pickett's a picket, man. I get this, this Pittsburgh guy's close. mixed up. Pretty close. But uh, I respect the uh, the long shot there. Sometimes you got to swing. You gambled. And uh, the big one for you is Naeem Hines. Of course, left early. Yep. Concussion. So for this week, 
I'd like to tie it back up. Not going to happen. We'll see. Quarterback, I'm rocking with Trevor Lawrence. Had a great show against Indy his first time around. Um, a rough week last week, but I think he rebounds from there. Um, I don't know how they lost to Houston. They definitely should not have, but the offense just didn't show up at all. Um, but against a slightly improving Colts team, I think uh, T-Law rebounds, put some points up. I think he's QB 15 or 16 right now. So uh, we're going to roll with the uh, Jags and Trevor Lawrence. Uh, me, personally, going with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy GQ. Um, they're going up against the Falcons, which that defense is just meh. So if Debo Samuel's going to have an absolute banger of a game, it's going to be this one. And it's going to be because Jimmy G's throwing the football. I'm all for it. Like I said, I think uh, San Fran will probably be a top five team here very soon. Let's talk running backs. RB1, David Montgomery. For some reason, he came back healthy last week, and they totally abandoned Khalil Herbert. So I'm guessing Montgomery gets a share of the carries this week as well. Barring injury. It's a bad commander's defense and what should be a, probably a bad game. But Montgomery's really the only legitimate threat on that offense. Because Fields can't throw, period. So, Nor do they let him. Uh, to be fair, yeah, they, they really hold him back. Maybe. Um, so Maybe it's for his sake. Who knows? Yeah, it's the Bears, man. You really really can't tell. Give me 18-20 carries from Montgomery. Maybe finds the end zone. Especially with bye starting off, it's a lot harder to go with sleepers from here on out. So we'll see what Davey Mont can do for me this week. My RB1, Ramondre Stevenson. Love it. Very quickly on the come up there, Damian Harris is out or doubtful right now. Should be ruled out. Uh, Ramondre's look great. So, in my opinion, he's probably going to be a must start for the next couple weeks. Coming off like a 150-yard game, I think. Yeah, and it's against the shitty Browns run defense. Oh, my God. He might put up 300. Probably. Um, I'm stealing your pick from last week. I'm going Jeff Wilson Jr. Solid. The San Fran backfield. He's uh, the only back there, their number one guy. Well, Debo. Uh, as, a, uh, as a switch guy, yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to let Jimmy, Jimmy G throw the ball that much, so let's hope for, they again, are. 18, 20 carries. For your sake, they, they should. Well, I talked to the coach. You got Shanahan's number? Yeah. Maybe line up an interview for us. Yep. Be our first big get. Uh, I don't want to put him on blast. To be fair. But, yeah, Jimmy G throwing for 45. Throwing to Jeff Wilson Jr. out of the backfield. No. We both benefit. Debo and Ayuk are going to have the games of the year. Yeah, let's hope for uh, 20 carries from Jeff Wilson Jr., two touchdowns. My RB, two. Kareem the Dream Hunt. Oh, did you just coin that? Well. Are we the new nickname Kings? Because the torch didn't work out last week. No, but it's a great nickname. It is. Let's hope uh, Hunt actually puts up more than zero points like Greg did last week. That would be ideal. Uh, should probably see the end zone. Uh, Belichick's good at taking away your best weapon, which is Chubb. So hopefully we're seeing Hunt get a lot of passing downs on third down. Uh, other than that, I don't think he's viable. Other than third down passing downs or red zone touches. So really banking on those this week. Um, our wideout one, I'm sticking that same game. I'm going Jacoby Myers. Um, looked good last week with Bailey Zappi throwing to him. 
Finally got some decent target share. Uh, my only fear there is they won't throw the ball that much because the Browns' rush D is so bad they'll probably keep running the ball down their throat. But he's their number one. He's their best option. So fingers crossed on a, you know, 7, 8, 10 catch kind of game. Probably no scores, but I'll take what I can get. Uh, for my wideouts, I'm going for two guys that are trending up. Uh, George Pickens, who is slowly but surely taking the target share there, which is crazy. And Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is also trending up to nine targets a game with seven, eight catches. Both guys that can make good, deep plays. Uh, they can find the end zone. Athletic. Uh, you saw George Pickens' catch of the year on Cleveland. So far, yeah. So, yeah, two guys that are athletic enough to make good plays. Um, hoping for probably 10 points a pop there, give or take. Yeah, I like DPJ because, like you said, Belichick's going to take away your best weapon. Probably focus on that run game, so that should leave more opportunities for Brissett, for Cooper, and then for DPJ to make some plays. Um, wide out two, I'm going Alec Pierce from Indy. Uh, he got like nine targets last week, eight catches. Um, with Pittman really not being as good or as prominent as I thought he would be, uh, Matty Ice likes Pierce a lot. Um, again, with bye weeks, you got to stretch for the uh, some lower ranked guys. Kind of take a shot in the dark. Yeah, kind of. So do. I'll take what I can get from Alec Pierce. Who's your flex? I'm honored to say this. Honored. Brian Robinson, a guy that I was going to pick week one. Thankfully, I beat you to it in this week because you almost had him written down. Uh, I did. I don't like picking two running backs from this Thursday night game. No. Which means I have to watch it now. Kind of locked in. Yeah, yeah. I got to. So that's going to mark you down for bum of the week next week. Uh, yeah, most likely. <laughs> Almost had it this week. Yeah, you just got edged out. Yeah, B-Rob getting, uh, again, first week back, he got three times as many carries as Antonio Gibson did. Um, he can catch balls out of the backfield, so give me three or four from there. Run the ball some against the Bears defense. You really don't know what you're going to get. In a whole game that you really don't know what you're going to get. Um, B-Rob, I believe in you. You need healthy. Don't get shot. Put some points up. I'll take it. Agreed. Uh, my flex is Kenneth Walker the third, who by all accounts looked good. I mentioned this earlier when I touched on Rashad Penny's injury. Uh, he's going to obviously take over the carry share there. Um, and... Again, look good, big, powerful back. And as of lately, the Seahawks love running the football. So hopefully they just keep that up. Even with pro bowler Geno Smith slinging the rock. Well, let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. No, let's, let's actually floor the gas. Geno Smith, MVP. Are you not going to quit writing the guy off? I'm not writing anything. <laughs> well, you wrote down KW3 about it tight end I don't even want to do this I'm going Taysom Hill I know he has best game of the year he's what probably not going to come close boy. to that I'm not a fanboy, but I got to have something tight end is so bad negative six points what, he's going to fumble three times he's going to fumble and get minus yards good god he's such a negative guy today <laughs> I think the brownies and uh Wemben Yama 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 really mess up your headspace mess me up man god we got to get you rebounded next week I'll be back let's go for a big Browns win Cavs start off with a dub. Get you back in higher spirits, man. 
That would be nice. Uh, my tight end, Tyler Higby. Dude's getting 36 targets a game. So, as long as he catches six of those for, I don't even care how many yards, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> six points would just be great from tight ends. Who, so, do, who do the Rams got? Uh, Cooper Cup. No, I mean, who are they playing? Oh. Um, that's a good question. Let me pull that up. Real really quick. shows the uh, great research we do here on this show. Always, always. Oh, they got the Panthers. No. Oh, KB, <laughs> three, three touchdowns. Guaranteed. That was a live fart, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not joking. He put his ass up to the mic. <laughs> yeah, I got Tyler Higby. Uh, should be, should have a big game. Every single player besides Allen Robinson will have a big game for the Los Angeles Rams. Skarnick, Cam Akers, third string running back. Doesn't matter. Henderson. Henderson, sure. Why not? Higby. Anybody but A-Rob. Donald, 17 Can sacks. I take bum of the year for being so high on Allen Robinson? I don't know where that came from. Everything I read going into camp, I thought he rebounded after being on a bad team and he actually wanted to play for the Rams this year. I thought Stafford would at least look at him. Um, You thought wrong. Because if Cup's not open and Higby's on the field, he's not even looking towards A-Rob at all. Historically, Stafford throws the ball to one wideout and his tight end. It helps when you have Calvin Johnson for your most of your career and then Cooper Cup. For the rest. Yeah, who would have thought? Uh, bums of the week. Uh, we have a new segment, actually. Do we? We do. We do. And we came up with this at Bob Evans on our way to Cleveland. Out of the blue. And then it just, it's like a light bulb went off. Somebody said it. I forget who. And me and Cam looked at each other and I thought, how do we not come up with this yet? Uh, I'm going to give props to Kelsey for this because I, I do I believe it he Papa said K. it. Yeah. But this is the new segment, Close But No Cigar. How great is that? It's perfect. Now, what's the um, the basis of this segment? Um, you're close, but at the end of the day, you didn't get the cigar. No cigar. Who's our nominee for this week, or a winner, I guess, for this week? Uh, we have two. We have a dual-headed winner this week. Uh, the Blue Jays in Game Two. So close, up eight to one. No cigar. Cigar for the Mariners, though. We'll take that. For sure. And Aaron Judge for the Triple Crown. Close. They just stopped pitching to him. No cigar. Yeah, it's tough to uh, put that average up when you're getting walked every at-bat. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Close. But, but no, no cigar. cigar. <laughs> I really love that. It's great. Is that better than Sleeper of the Week? Is it better than Bum of the Week? It might be better than Bum of the Week. I really love Bum of the Week, though. Three great segments. Uh, we might have our first two-time Bum of the Week champ this week. Because my first nominee is Russell Wilson, who Deserved. might win Bum of the Year. Uh, he's on He's on pace. Uh, last week he went 21 for 39 for 274. No scores, two picks, got sacked like 15 times. He's not even looking at wide-open guys. Apparently I he's I think gotta, he's playing with his helmet on backwards. You know what? It's not confirmed, but he, he might have some... He might need to go to whoever Jameis Winston went to to fix his eyes. Get some LASIK. Yeah. Because something's not going yeah, then you just, right there. Instead of not finding the wide open guys, just overthrow him 15 yards. Yeah. He, he claims to be playing with a partially torn lat in his right side, which would at least explain some problems he's had. But what's funny is Matthew Berry came out last week before the game and said, before the game's over, Russell Wilson will say he has an injury and it's BS. 
It's a cover of how bad he's sucking. Man. That's harsh, right? That is pretty harsh. I don't think he's wrong. Uh, by all means, it looks like he's right. With four years in this contract still? you got to have some kind of excuse. That's a long time. <sighs> Man, a lot a of money. A lot of money. Who's your first bum of the week? I'm just going to get angry again. Oh, God. <laughs> maybe. maybe. All right, get it out of your system. It's fucking Joe Woods. Dude is garbage. For those that don't know, if you're not following coordinators, Joe Woods is E. Brown's defensive coordinator. I don't even want to call him that. He's on the sidelines. He's a guy that stands on the sidelines. Holds a clipboard. And probably looks at food menus more than Andy <laughs> Reid does. I visibly saw Joe Woods chugging vodka on the sidelines. He makes no adjustments. And somehow, again, somehow, takes a top five run defense and makes them look like they're high school football players. It makes no sense. I don't know how you do that. If not for Joe Woods, the Browns are probably 5-0. and Yeah, I'm telling you right now, if that job opens up, I could probably apply for it and get it. Because obviously you've, you have to have no resume. I'm a CNC machinist. They're like, whoa, you're hey, in. And three-time Madden champ. Exactly. That's all you need. It's Podcast just, host, that goes for something. Something. But yeah, Joe Woods, you suck. Tell you what, that's a close two-dog race of bum of the year. Uh, if he doesn't get fired, he's my bum of the year nominee already. Yeah, so after the Browns game, um, there were many, many fans viciously screaming. I mean screaming, screaming. at Joe Woods. who couldn't hear him, but they yeah. wanted him to. Because he was already in the locker room. <laughs> I think at halftime, he didn't come back out. Yeah, he was probably on his way to the closest restaurant. I think they'd be better off if Joe Woods actually stayed in the locker room and didn't call plays. I don't hate that at all. My second bum of the week, Mariners manager Scott Service. Um, in the first game against Houston in the NL- ALDS, they're up big. They're up, I think they're about four by one point. But ninth inning, they're up two, two men on. Jordan Alvarez is up. He goes to the bullpen, brings in Robbie Ray, who pitched two days earlier starting. Now he had a decent year starting. He's 12-12 and 12 with like a 3-5 ERA. Not bad. But he's never came out of relief to close a game. He's never pitched on two days rest. And the Astros absolutely own this guy. So I talked to my Mariners fans, friends, and they all say as soon as Robbie Ray came in, they knew the game was over. And, of course, he throws an absolute meatball. 92 down the middle. If Jordan could ask for a pitch to hit, he'd call that exact pitch. And he did not miss it. Mariners lose game one, probably lose the series now. Um, good run, but Scott Service, what are you doing, man? Bum of the week. Well, the real question is, what does that mean for Robbie Ray as a starter? Does he need more rest? Um, yeah, it's tough. Generally in October, guys will come out the pen that traditionally start. But that's, that's not a situation you want to put that guy in, especially with his struggles against Houston in the past. Kind of a head-scratching move. And it's easy to sit there on the couch and be like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you making that call? But uh, I think I could have got a better outcome than uh, than Robbie Ray did. Probably. Let me loosen up the shoulder a little bit. Exactly. I'll throw 56 in there. My bum of the week nominee number two. I don't even know if this play was this guy's fault, but Hunter Renfro. In the fourth quarter, he just proved again that you cannot count on him at all. The Raiders just keep finding new ways to lose football games. Yeah. And again, I don't know if the final play was on him or Adams, but you cannot run into your wide out one 
that's wide open, completely burned the corner and safety for a touchdown to win the game in the closing seconds, and you knock him down. Not to mention, indirectly, Hunter Renfro caused the cameraman to get viciously injured. Exactly. I, I think the cameraman should file charges on Renfro. That's where it started. And that could just be play calling because that's a horrible play call. Yeah, I don't know, again, Adams, whose fault it was, but you shouldn't have two wideouts close to each other, let alone running into each other. Adams torched the Chiefs' defense on fourth down twice that game. So why, why is Hunter Renfro running deep downfield? Not even that. Why is Hunter Renfro on the same side of the field as him? Why do you not run a traditional post instead of a deep post out for no reason? You run a deep post, pull the safety, because you know Renfro's going to break free. He's a great route runner. And Devontae Adams is going to be wide open. Why do you not do that? It could be a coaching problem, but Renfro should know not to run into Devontae Adams. Same with the Browns. The Raiders could be 5-0. and but they just keep choking and finding new ludicrous ways to lose games. So, yeah, that's our bums of the week. Potential sure is you... Russ and Renfro could be the first ever two-time bum of the week. If there's a tie on the Instagram poll. Uh, as far as last week goes, uh, the cheating fisherman won. Uh, obviously, it should be a landslide. And it was. Um, but yeah, that's the bums of the week. Vote on the poll on Instagram. Joe Woods, Hunter Renfro, Russell Wilson, and the Mariners manager. Tough call. All very deserving. I would go Joe Woods personally. Uh, I'm and if, vote. If, yeah, if Cam's rant didn't uh, win you over on that, go ahead and replay it. Twice. My walls are scared right now. He might flip his table. Consider it done. <laughs> Wait till the mics turn off, buddy. Uh, yeah, with that being said, that is all we have for you guys tonight. Um, Cross the two-hour mark for the first time. I would say expect longer episodes now that we're diving deeper into the NBA. Um, yeah, it's uh, all we got for you guys. Again, feel free to go pick up any smokes. Reach out to us on Sports and Stogies on all social media platforms. Uh, sportsandstogies at gmail.com for any questions and got anything you want to say um, we fixed our audio this week we did and check out the newest Instagram post for some uh, minor decorations in here studio vamping yeah yes, we definitely upgraded uh, we're going to keep adding more decor and when we feel that the studio is suitable we are going to start researching video for you guys. Get up on YouTube. Uh, get up on YouTube. Spotify plays video. Uh, we got a lot of work to do with that as far as getting equipment and just learning how to edit video and stuff. But, um, yeah, big things coming for us. Uh, we really appreciate all your support. And patience. Again, we're still very new at this. This is our first foray into anything technical. So uh, I think we've done pretty good so far. We uh, learned from our mistakes, try to adjust from those. And um, as always, keep the feedback coming in. Yeah, great feedback, and we really appreciate it. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. That's all we got for you. Thursdays, noon, every week. Don't forget. See ya.